Well, good morning. It's great to be back home with you. Um, I have missed you, and I've missed our worship together. Today, oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, today is special for a di- couple different reasons. Number one, it's 0202-2020. Uh, that's a little bit interesting. Uh, number two, it is Groundhog Day. Now, uh, it's also the presentation of our Lord Jesus Christ in the temple. And just in case you might not realize, it's the third one that we're here to celebrate, most importantly. But as the story goes, in the Anglican church, we use incense on this important day. And if the therapist sees his shadow, we have six more weeks of winter. So anyway, I just had to add that in. I saw it on Facebook at five o'clock this morning. I thought I would just share it. Um, I knew Todd would enjoy it more than anybody, so... You know, we might have a tendency to sentimentalize this event and might even see it as a cute story or a charming tale of a child being presented in the temple like any child dedication. I know some of you um, have come from the evangelical Protestant tradition and maybe some of you were even um, dedicated as a child by your parents or that you might have even done that uh, with your children. But it certainly includes all of this. But there is so much more going on in this text. And I will attempt to provide some understanding as we look at our text this morning and review the story of God's salvation history and specifically see what is happening in the presentation of our Lord Jesus Christ in the temple. To help us understand this special feast day, the church gives us our first reading from the prophet Malachi. Now, this is the last book in the Old Testament. So the prophet Malachi says, Look, I am sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. Now, this seems interesting to me. Isn't the Lord already in his temple? We come to the temple to seek him, right? To say that the Lord arrived at the temple one day would be a little bit awkward, To understand what Malachi means by this, we need to turn to an earlier prophet, Ezekiel, and Ezekiel chapter 10. And because of the wickedness and the corruption of the temple, the Shekinah glory of the Lord, which was to fill the temple, left, departed that holy place. And I can't think of anything more devastating than that. The temple was sacred to Israel precisely because it was the dwelling place of God on earth. And people came there to commune with the Creator God. To say that the glory of Yahweh has left is disastrous and heartbreaking, to say the least. Ezekiel was writing around the time of the Babylonian conquest and the destruction of the temple and the exile of the people um, has certainly uh, communicated clearly that God has left the room. So let's fast forward a bit, even when they were allowed to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple, it was not quite the same. They didn't feel that God had fully returned to his temple like he was before. So if we turn from Ezekiel chapter 10 and we turn to Ezekiel chapter 43, we find this beautiful prophecy. And this is what it will be like when the Lord really does return to his temple. And it says this. Suddenly, suddenly the glory of God of Israel appeared from the east. The sound of his coming was like the roar of rushing waters and the whole landscape shone with his glory. This vision was like the others I had seen. I fell face down on the ground 
And the glory of the Lord came into the temple through the east gateway. Then the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner courtyard, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And I heard someone speaking to me from within the temple. The Lord said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place where I will rest my feet. I will live here forever among the people of Israel. So this is Ezekiel's vision of the messianic time when the God of Israel would take up his rightful place in the midst of his people. So it is against this backdrop that we can understand our first reading from the prophet Malachi. And he, and he uh, continues, Look, I am sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. So the Lord's glory had left, and now they were waiting for it to come back. So now we can understand our gospel text this morning and why it is so important for Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, to come to the temple. And the feast of the presentation of our Lord Jesus Christ is about the first time that Jesus comes back, not just as a nice baby coming in to be presented to God. It is the realization of both Ezekiel and Malachi's prophecies. Our text this morning and the feast that we celebrate is about God returning to his temple. That's why it is such a big deal on this day. That's why we remember it yearly. This is what the Song of Simeon, the Nuke Dominus, is all about. This is why this collect is so important in our daily office that we pray it in our evening prayer as a collect. Our text today is really significant because it was the first entry of the Messiah, the Christ, God's Son, returning to the temple. So how does the Shekinah glory of the Lord return to his temple? Precisely as a little, weak baby in his mother's arms. God loves to turn things upside down as his ways are not our ways. And all we have to do is remember Jesus being born in a feed trough, not a palace where we would think a king should be born. This is a place where animals live, eat, and relieve themselves. The Shekinah glory of the Lord comes as an irresistible baby. Malachi continues and says, The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver, so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. And then once more the Lord will accept the offerings brought to him by the people of Judah and Jerusalem as he did in the past. Wow. Blazing fire. Refiner's fire. The one who uses fire to separate silver and gold from other base metals. To get to the pure, precious metals, it must go through a refiner's process that involves blazing heat. And like a strong, harsh, fuller soap that cleans clothes like bleach. A commentary I was reading talked about fullers using this process outside the city because the process that they used was so smelly. It, was an, it, it created an, an unpleasant odor so that they did it outside the city. This was a harsh work to make it white. 
and clean. So what does the Lord do when we come to meet him in his temple? God uses, well, you might not like this analogy, but just go with it. God uses a blowtorch and he uses Clorox to purge us from all that keeps us from being the people of God. All that God wants us to be. I'm okay, you're okay is absolutely not biblical talk. The degree that we are okay in saying this indicates that we have not really met the glory of the Lord in His temple. I'm not okay. And to be honest, you're not okay. That's exactly the why we need a Savior. What God wants to do is to burn away, to clean us thoroughly. And this is never an easy process. He wants to take away all that does not reflect His Son, Jesus Christ, in us. Like pride and hate and envy and lust and cruelty and injustice. And I can keep going on and on. All of this stuff, this dross, this base metal that does not represent, reflect the characteristics of the kingdom and the characteristics of King Jesus. He wants us to look like beautiful gold and silver, not unvarnished, drab, neutral, or muted color. He wants us gleaming white, pure, bright, full of His Spirit. Will it be a painful and smelly process while we endure the blowtorch and bleach? Yes, of course it will. But is it worth it? Yes. Now, I know that when we're going through it, through it we might not be so bold to just say yes so quickly, right? But it is worth it. Because God wants to do that work in us. That is what happens when we meet the God of Israel in His temple. Now there's a lot more I could say about that. Us being the temple of God. The Holy Spirit living inside of us. Talk about the liturgy. And as we talk about very often. um, The time whenever we encounter God in worship and prayer. And we encounter God through His Word. We encounter God through the preaching of the Word. We encounter God in standing up to affirm our faith. The prayers, of the, uh, the prayers of the people. And then we have a time, an opportunity to respond to God and, and to, to, to say yes to what He's saying to us. To realign ourselves with Him through repentance. Confessing our sin, repenting, turning away from that sin. So that's aligning ourselves with Him. And that's that cleaning and purifying process that He wants to do in our life. If we bring together this cleaning and purifying process with the baby God returning to his temple, we get the passages this morning. Think about Mary handing the baby to Simeon in the temple. And now imagine Mary handing this baby, the Son of God, the Savior, the Lord, the King, the Messiah, over to you and over to me. And we're looking down at baby Jesus. What are we meant to see? We're meant to see the God of Israel, the Shekinah glory of Yahweh, returning to his temple, to you and to me. We're we're meant to encounter God who will bring his salvation to us and to the whole world to transform and to change us all that is distorted and to renew us in his image and his likeness. Through that baby Jesus, his salvation Through the spiritual practices of worship and discipleship, God will continually change and transform us into His image for a purpose. To make disciples. To make our lives useful to the Master. To be be spent how He wants us to, to use us for His glory. To reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we gaze on Him like Simeon does, 
we're meant to find our salvation. This seems to be the point of the presentation of the Lord Jesus Christ in the temple. Just like in our collect on this special feast day, it says, as Jesus was presented to you this day in the temple, may we be presented to you with clean and pure hearts by the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. As our second reading this morning from Hebrews reminds us, Jesus shared human nature fully so that his death might be for all humans a freedom from death's power. And here the writer uses the image of priestly service in the temple as a way of describing the life and the saving death of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the high priest who offers his life on our behalf for the entire world. Israel, his special people, and all the Gentiles, everyone else in the world. And the writer of Hebrews wrote to encourage the community to faithfulness despite their sufferings. And the book of Hebrews relies on imagery from the Jewish temple ritual. It is through the incarnation that the God-man Jesus served as a high priest to bring about the sacrifice which atoned for all of our sin. In our gospel, from the words of Simeon, we see the light of God's salvation revealed to the entire world. Simeon knows that the infant will bring about the world's salvation, that the future will cause Mary grief. And Anna tells others about the redemption, not only the infant boy, but of all the people. Now, this feast day is also known as Candlemas, And Simeon's prayer about Christ being the light to the Gentiles led Christians to bring to the church on this day, this year's supply of candles. And all the candles that will be used in worship for the the next year to be blessed. Now you might be saying, well, why aren't we doing that today? Well, there's a reason. Uh, Because it was just the last couple days I was able to work on this sermon. And also because we had a lot going on yesterday in the ordination service, and so we didn't have proper time to notify the people to do that. So that might be a practice that we can do in the future because these candles represent exactly what Simeon was praying here, that um, Jesus is the light of the world and he brings salvation to the entire world. And so, uh, you know, we, there's a lot of symbolism and a lot of meaning to the practices that, that we, we do. So this is where the name Candlemas came from. We can see here the theme of a blowtorch and bleach. There is purifying taking place and the theme of epiphany that Jesus is and we are the light of the world. A light to lighten the Gentiles and to be the glory of the people Israel. Simeon said, now that I have seen your salvation for all the world, now let me depart and let me die in peace. Because you have fulfilled your word and promise that in my lifetime, I will see the Messiah. They have waited their turn to die, worshiping God both day and night and praying for the salvation of his people. Luke wants to draw his readers of every age and stage in life into this story. And no matter who or where we are, the story of Jesus from the feeding trough in Bethlehem to the empty tomb and beyond to become our story. In becoming our story, it will become our vocation for all of us. 
Everybody has their own role in God's plan. For some, it will be active, obvious, working in the public eye, perhaps preaching the gospel or taking the love of God to meet the practical needs of the world. For others, it will be quiet, away from the public view, praying faithfully for God to act in fulfillment of his promises. For many, it will be a mixture of the two, sometimes one, sometimes the other. But the whole point is this. It involves all of us. Or in the words of John Wimber, he says, we all get to play. We are all members of this story. And as we follow Jesus on the road of daily cross-bearing, the cruciform life, may we find ourselves continually made holy and useful to the Master. There are times I remember and I soak in songs that have deeply ministered to me throughout my pilgrimage. For example, over the last uh, 10 days, I was with my family and being in a lot of grief and a lot of emotional um, exhaustion. I don't know what else to say. When words, I found words to be very difficult. I relied on the songs of John Michael Talbot and I relied on my prayer book. I held on and cling to my Bible. And there were times, even though my dad was not an Anglican, he was a Southern Baptist, so liturgy is a little bit foreign to him. But I would open up the prayer book and I would pray. And sometimes I just see tears in his eyes because he connected to uh, these prayers in a way that he never, never has before, never appreciated. But we cling to things like this. And no matter what we're facing in life, the joys of life and the pain of life. Um, I also, as I was preparing this message, I remembered one of my favorite songs in the vineyard, and it was Refiner's Fire. Because it really speaks to the things that uh, we've talked about already today. Um, And I'm going to attempt to sing it. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold and precious silver. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold, pure gold, refiner's fire, my heart's one desire is to be, do you know it? Sing it with me. Holy, set apart for you, Lord, I choose to be holy. Set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. And it talks about cleanse me from within and make me holy. Purify my heart. Cleanse me from my sin. Deep within. Closing of this message this morning, I invite you to take your prayer book. And turn to page 46. I hope that if you didn't understand the context that was happening whenever we prayed the nuke diminish the song of Simeon, this will just give a little bit of light and understanding that when you pray this prayer, you can look through different eyes. And for some of you who might have known this context, may it still bring you, enliven um, um, in you whenever you pray this in your, the daily office. So join with me in the nuke diminish. Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, 
to be a light to lighten the Gentiles and to be the glory of your people Israel. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen.